umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999. Well, kind of, kind of a new way to go about your business, but um, you know, obviously watching a lot of tape uh, of our upcoming opponents, uh, also watching uh, our own players, games from last year, and. Uh, I've become a Zoom magician where I had no ability. And, uh, you know, I've been able to, you know, enable my way through with our, our defensive staff meets on a daily basis. We also meet with the players, which is awesome because that's our connection with them. And um, even though, you know, when you're, when you look at the silver lining, I, I feel like the younger guys have a chance to at least, they've gone through every single install that we have had scheduled for the spring. And uh, so that when they see it again in the fall, um, I, I think with the uh, upperclassmen involved and so forth and being able to interact uh, with them, uh, in 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 and out of the meetings, I think that's been helpful, and I also think this will be our fifth year in the defense. So if there's one year that that continuity really helps, I think it's this year because our guys have a good handle on what we're doing in our concepts. Not that we don't change on a year to year basis, but um, you know the continuity I I think will pay dividends, especially early in the year. Um, our first question is from Isaiah. Hey, Don, thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. And uh, just wanted to, you've mentioned several times uh, some of those guys rotating up front. Uh, recently with John Jansen, you were talking about Donovan Jeter and Chris Hinton. And what what have you seen from those guys? Where where do you expect to be come fall when it comes to those uh, interior defensive linemen? When they when they look back on it, they ended up having to play at the end of the year uh, due to injuries uh, at tackle and at nose. So that only that's only going to pay dividends for them moving forward. It would have been nice if we could have um, had had the ability to to work in spring practice, but that's, everybody was in that same scenario. So, uh, you know, that's just part of it. But we now have a chance, you know, those guys had to play in two big games. So uh, obviously um, being able to play in a big game is an important piece. Now we, we just got to take them to play at an elite level in a big game. And, uh, you know, Christopher Hinton, I'm really excited about his, his potential. Uh, you mentioned Donovan Gina, Mozzie Smith is another another guy as well. So uh, we think all of those guys in, in evaluating and watching them in some of the winter workouts in the conditioning phases, I really feel like they've taken their game to the next level in terms of their physical ability, their ability to run. And, and that's, that's, you know, Sometimes, you know, things get said and, 
and the and the and the reality is they're they're a little out of context. For example, when you have four down linemen, you want each one of those four guys to have the ability to run and hit people. Uh, now, obviously, there's a degree of size in the tackle and the nose scenario, and uh, we have that size. Uh, Jeter's a 300-pounder. Mozzie Smith is a 300-pounder. Chris Hinton is a 300-pounder. And all three of those guys are very athletic. So, you know, we're excited about them. And obviously, we're so fortunate to have Carlo Kemp come back because not only will he provide experience, he'll provide that essence of leadership that we desperately need there. Um, but I'm very confident in, uh, in the guys that we have inside. Now, last year, um, we had another set of circumstances. Well, you gotta play Josh Uche. And in that respect, we needed to play in some of our three down, three, three, three stack type, type structure to get that guy on the field, especially on second and third down. And in some of our four down structures, we wanted him as one of the four down guys. And I still think, you know, our defensive end scenario uh, is really blessed because we have Aiden, uh, we have Quiddy Pay. Um, I'm very anxious to see how Ajabo does, Upshaw, Luigi Villain in limited reps. I, I go back and watch Luigi play last year uh, at times. And uh, obviously he was hurt because Mike Dana was there. But the bottom line is it's his time now and he'll have an opportunity to prove what he can do. And I think we're gonna get productive, solid play out of him as well. Next question is uh, from Aaron McMahon. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this. Um, wondering about your linebacker position. Obviously, you get Cam McGrone and, and Josh Ross back, but I'm wondering how you feel about its depth and how that kind of goes into what you plan to do this this season, presuming there is one. So I think having Cam McGrone and Josh Ross to start with is uh, an excellent place to start. I, I'll bet. There aren't many linebacker, uh, inside linebacker coaches in the country that want to trade places with me. Uh, we have those two guys, I think, can play anywhere in America. I really do. They can play for in any system. Uh, Ross is not only a, uh, a physical guy, he's an athletic guy, but he is, a, is one bright guy. Uh, McGrone, very similar except he runs 4-4. You know, you don't get many of those guys now. So um, I kind of feel like it's 2016 revisited where, well, you know, Ben Gideon hadn't played much, so we moved him to the mic. Mike McRae played zero and uh, put him at the will position. You know, we talked Peppers into being the Viper, you know, hey, you're going to do this. It's, you're going to blitz, you're going to play the edge, you're going to cut, you're going to do all these things. And we kind of tricked them into being the Viper. And, uh, you know, there we go. There's our three positions to start with. And then we had Devin Bush and we, we had to bring Devin along uh, and utilize him with, you know, uh, 
Mike Robaleski and some of those guys. Uh, I'm working with uh, this, uh, I, I'm very excited to work with this uh, Kalel Mullings, uh, Cornell Wheeler, Nakai Hill Green. Those three guys are gonna give us, uh, they have tremendous skill and uh, obviously, you know, when you, you can benefit from these kind of meetings, the Zoom meetings that we've had. So, you know, we feel, I feel really good about it. I mean, uh, obviously two tremendous leaders at the forefront and, uh, and the talent is there. We just got to get them, get them uh, up to speed and ready to go. But athletically, uh, again, I feel very strongly about that position. Next question is from Ashley. Hi, Don. Just to follow up on the linebackers, uh, you also have to obviously fill the starting Viper role this year with it being such a unique position in your defense. Just how difficult has that been not having spring ball and what have you seen from those guys, you know, whether it's bowl camp, winter workouts, anything like that? Well, I, I've seen enough out of Michael Barrett to be excited. Uh, runs 4-5-1. That's fast at 220 pounds. So that's a good place to start. He's had a tremendous role model in Khalid Hudson that showed him the way. And, uh, you know, he's worked extremely hard and is, has a very close relationship with uh, Cam McGrone in particular and Josh Ross. So, you know, that, that chemistry, that camaraderie that you search for that allows some groups to be exceptional, I think is there. So that's the place we'll start. I don't want to put a, you know, undue pressure on um, William uh, Mohan. I, I think he'll be a very good player. We call him Apache. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, he's a true freshman, but has that kind of ability. And uh, obviously, we have a number of guys at the safety position that it would be smooth as silk to drop them into the Viper position with one of those guys if need be. Uh, I think the Viper might be, even though there's a lot of jobs there, I think that might be a little bit easier for guys to grasp than the, uh, than the Rover free safety position um, that we uh, utilize on the back end. Next question is from Orion Sang. Hey, Don. Thanks for doing this. Uh, obviously, Josh Uche was one of the most productive pass rushers in the Big Ten past two seasons. I'm curious how you guys might replicate that pass rush ability and if it, um, his absence means you might go to more four-man fronts moving forward. To answer that question, I got to kill you, but you were kind of on the right track there. <laughs> uh, you know, what I'll say to you is I do feel very strongly about uh, Justin uh, uh, Upshaw. I do feel strongly about Luigi Villain. Uh, David Ajabo, I think, has a lot of similar traits that Josh Uche has. You know, and it's like if we'd have gotten through spring, we'd already have those answers. So when we're done preseason, we need to have those answers. But uh, I'm very excited about, you know, when you can say multiple guys have a chance to 
to impact you in a pass rush scenario, um, that's a good thing. And uh, as you know, I, I feel very strongly about third down, uh, second and longs. Those are the downs that get you off the field. And those are the areas I think that, you know, we've done a good job in uh, the last four years. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously that, that's going to be an important piece again. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, like with Uche, he had a 26% pass rush rating on, with pressuring the quarterback. Well, think about that. That means one of every four snaps that he plays, he's pressuring the quarterback. With that also being said, we're putting him in the game when those kinds of scenarios come to uh, fruition and we try to get him in at, as fresh as we can in as many of those scenarios and with the Aiden Hutchinson quitty pay and now you're asking Upshaw, Luigi, uh, Jabo to be, uh, you know, uh, functional sub, uh, package players. Boy, I, I'm kind of excited about that. And we just got to figure it out and, and, and see who are, the, who are the guys that are best suited and who are the guys that are most ready. But really, the nice thing is the players determine it. The coaches don't. You, you, all you do is see with your eyes and, and then make, make a decision on who you're putting in specific roles. Now, unlike a year ago where Uche was an internal blitzer, he's an external blitzer, he's a straight line blitzer. You know, he could do all those things as a, as a stand-up two-point stance defensive end. You may have to divide that work between one or two guys because one guy may be great on the edge. The other guy may be real, you know, in short area quickness and change of direction scenarios might be better. And, uh, you know, those are the things that we're waiting just to find out and, and see how that plays out. But um, you were on to something. You had a pretty good – you are on to something. You mentioned the four down guys. <laughs> Next question is from John Borton. John, uh, Brad Hawkins was uh, selected as your most improved defensive player a year ago. What did he do to uh, earn that recognition? And what ways are you counting on him to, to take even more steps in his last year? Well, you know, obviously that was a big loss to us at the end of the year. Um, uh, and it took Daxton Hill, who's an excellent player, and put him into a, a role that, you know, we had to change his role. And obviously uh, that was a very good experience for Daxton. But, uh, you know, the overall player of our defense obviously gets impacted because you lose a player of Brad Hawkins' stature. Uh, the nice thing about Brad is he's learned the defense. There were times in his career where, you know, he was going through the growing pains of getting, uh, get, you know, executing at an elite level. And, uh, you know, it, it took, him, took him some time to learn that. Plus, I also believe on the back end, uh, you know, you develop confidence as you, as you play well and play and play well, and you cover guys and have the ability to cover. And, uh, you know, this guy, you know, everything's on the upswing. 
uh, it really is. And he's, he's taken a leadership. I'm meeting with the defensive leaders tomorrow, and he's one of the guys that I'll be meeting with. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, I feel very strongly about him having a strong year. And, and then uh, we'll be wishing him uh, good thoughts as he heads to the NFL. Next question is from Rainer. Yeah. Um, hey, Don. Uh, how would you uh, assess the uh, defensive recruiting for the 2021 class? And how have you guys, uh, um, I guess, handled recruiting in general with the loss of uh, Chris and Anthony this offseason? Well, I mean, you know, first off, I really can't talk about anything specifically in the right, recruiting right. piece because sure. nobody signed. I can tell you, um, uh, you know, the, our, our new safeties coach, Bob Shoup, uh, is working diligently with the safeties that are uh, on the board. I think we're in great shape in that position. Uh, BJ is, and I are working together with the linebackers. Uh, you know, I'm involved in, on, on all levels, safeties, corners, D-linemen, linebackers. Coach New is doing a great job with the guys up front. Um, I think we're right on schedule, um, you know, in terms of the, the we're talking to the, the right guys that are the right fits uh, for Michigan. And now we, we just got to let it play out. But um, I feel we're in tremendous shape, you know, in, as speaking in general terms. Uh, and, and we're talking to the right players that, uh, our elite players, but also, you know, uh, first-class individuals as well and good students. Jason Lewis. Hey, Don. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time. I know one of the guys that you're going to be getting on the linebacker corps this year is uh, Ben Van Sumeren switching sides of the ball. How excited are you for what he's going to bring? And I know he told me he's been putting on a lot of weight and stuff in the offseason and muscle to get ready for uh, the switch to defense. Yeah, we're excited. You know, uh, Again, we had the one winter workout where the coaches are engaged and in the drill work uh, that I put them through uh, and Coach BJ put him through, um, you know, I was kind of excited. He's a big guy now. Um, you know, he, he comes downhill in the 3-3 stuff and uh, anxious, anxious to see how fast we can get him acclimated to being a, a a pass rusher uh you know all the all the things that are required of the linebackers playing off blocks tackling all those things that are just so so important uh but uh i love his enthusiasm um we think he's a very talented guy i think he'll be an excellent internal blitzer i think he'll be a good run stopper and uh you know Obviously, some of the pieces um, are going to be new to him, but it, you know, it's not like he's, uh, you know, a rookie. He's he's been in Michigan football, and we're hoping he makes that transition transition and makes it quickly. Austin, do we have you now? Can you guys hear me? Got me now? Okay, great. Hey, Don, thanks for doing this. Uh, sort of a two-part question. So uh, the NCAA uh, has voted uh, to lift the, uh, the moratorium on on-campus workouts starting June 1st. Um, what have you guys 
been told about uh, when you might be able to to have the players on campus again, and then also how how uh, how do you think you may have to adapt uh, to coaching differently uh, given some of the some of the things that you're going to have to do, some of the guidelines uh, that are going to be in place in terms of social distancing and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at just, just meeting as a defensive staff. I'm not sure we're going to be able to just, you know, walk in Schembechler Hall and go back to our defensive staff room and, and uh, you know, think we're going to practice social distancing, but we can go to the defensive team room and spread out in there and do that. Um, it's going to require small group meetings. Uh, so, you know, positionally, that, that'll be an important piece. Um, and uh, you know, might have to wear a mask going into going into the building. I, I really don't know what's uh, ahead of me, but I can tell you this. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm excited about it. That I will tell you. I can't wait to coach football. Our uh, next question is from Nick Baumgartner. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Got you, Nick. Okay, got gotcha. you. Uh, hey, Don, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, you mentioned Mike uh, Barrett earlier. I, I was wondering, uh, I, I know you said, you know, him at Viper. Have you, did you guys, I know obviously spring ball didn't happen or anything, but you guys, did you guys ever consider him like as an inside linebacker at all, or was it just strictly Viper for him going forward? Well, you know, the here's the thing, and Nick, you got to understand this one a little bit. So some guys can play inside linebacker, but they can't play Viper. Some, most guys can play Viper, can move to the inside linebacker position. So, and he's one of those guys. But, uh, you know, his ability to run, you know, he's been in the backup Viper role for us. So it's not like he's alien to the position. And there's another young man, Anthony Solomon, who was light in his loafers a year ago, meaning he was about 195 pounds. He's now 215. So, and we know how fast he is and how quick he is. So he's another guy that'll give him, you know, uh, competition. So, uh, you know, right now we're trying to get our, our best players on the field. That's always the, the initial thing is get your best 11, 12 on the field. And, uh, you know, we think the best thing for our defense and for Michael Barrett, because they're both, you know, important pieces to us, is for him to play Viper. Our next question is from Sam Webb. Appreciate you, man. Uh, a couple of uh, guys that I wonder how they fit for you. DJ Turner was a guy that you talk, you guys talked a lot about last fall camp. You know he was set back by injury. How does he fit, and where, where does he fit in the puzzle? And the same thing with Andre Seldon and Erling Lee for you. I'm curious if with guys like that, you anticipate potentially playing more corner, more corners at nickel uh, this year with, with guys like that around. Uh, Andre certainly is uh, in position to do that. Uh, DJ, if you can play corner, you can play nickel. Um, and both of those guys have outstanding ability. Um, I'm just very, uh, I'm very glad that I'm going to get the opportunity to coach both of those guys. 
Um, like you said, we, we lost spring, and I thought that was uh, uh, tough on DJ in particular because, um, you know, he, he, he had kind of an injury-plagued fall, which held him back. But in, he's another guy, though, Sam, when you watch him run around and do things and, and, and just the way he carried himself in the winter workouts, he has come out of the freshman slump. And I believe, he, you know, some guys go through that, especially when they get hurt. And I think he went through that. And I think we're going to see a guy that's ready to compete for playing time and um, very anxious to see where he goes. Uh, with Andre, that's one of the reasons we uh, signed him was because of his ability to play nickel. And, uh, you know, obviously we feel very strongly that he'll be able to make a run at that position because the, uh, that position there is not a, a position that requires, you know, crazy amounts of mental process. It's really a phys the physical challenge is the most important piece, and we think he's up to that. So uh, anxious to see him get on the field, and, you know, I'm certainly not putting any pressure on him, but uh, I'm excited about him. But I will say this, he's, he did very well academically for his first go-round here, and, and uh, that's always a good sign because it shows a guy is making uh, the proper adjustments to college life. Next question is from Stoney. Yeah, Don, uh, granted I'm a little biased because I saw them play a lot in high school, but what kind of um, contributions do you expect from uh, Makari Page and Cornell Wheeler as freshmen? Again, I, I hate putting, uh, um, you know, the uh, expectations too heavy on those guys because I think that's unfair until they get here. You see how they, they adjust to learning the system now. Um, Coach Grice runs some of our stuff, so and their guys are going to be used to the terminology, so uh, that's an advantage for them. Um, obviously, th those two guys are very highly recruited guys for us, and guys that I'm excited about getting the opportunity to coach. And uh, again, I was able to see them in winter workouts. Uh, run around and do things, and uh, those two guys are keepers. That's what I can tell you, Stoney. They're definitely keepers and, and guys to, you know, keep your eye on moving forward. Our next question is from Ryan Zook. Hi, Don. Uh, yeah, in, in general, how, how much do you think the, the pandemic has changed the recruiting landscape with all the different communication channels and the virtual tools and all the different sorts of tools now you, you guys have been able to, to use during this time? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> obviously you've got regular phone calls. Then you've got the merge phone call, the three-way. Then you've got the FaceTime. Then you've got the Zooms. Uh, and then you have the FaceTime that you can utilize, you know, film in that usage. And uh, all of these, when I started uh, six, seven weeks ago, I had no idea. But I am a virtual expert now. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's been helpful. 
uh, you know, I, I think this, um, you know, if you look at our numbers in terms of the amount of verbal commitments, and I don't know what that means, but we're way ahead of last year's pace because I think we've been able to, you know, you know, spend more time um, on the, in essence, on the recruiting trail, you know, via the virtual world. So, uh, and certainly know the guys and their families really well. So um, I, in some respects, you've lost the ability to go on campuses across the country and meet coaches and spend time um, uh, on their campuses and, and meet the, uh, the recruits. But uh, in, in, in other respects, I think we know the guys uh, a lot better than we knew them in a normal scenario. So, you know, it may have been a, a difficult process when it started, but, uh, you know, looking back on it, um, there's some things I don't know if I'd change much in terms of how you go about doing your business on the recruiting trail. We're at about 11.30 right now. We got about five questions in the queue. Are you available to stick around for a while, Coach? Uh, I'm okay till noon. Okay. Next question is um, Ashley. John, going back to last year this time, you were pretty candid when you talked about the Ohio State game and the bowl game and what they, how you felt about those in the 2018 season. So I'm wondering from 2019, what you feel about the Ohio State game and the Citrus Bowl, and also just given the fact this is the first year since you've been at Michigan that the defense and total defense finished outside of the top four nationally. So I'm wondering just what kind of reflection you've done on all that and how that sits with you. Um, that's a real, I mean, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think coach addressed the, uh, the Ohio State issue yesterday. Am I right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I, he's the boss. That's what he said. That's what I'm going to try to do. He's the boss. So as far as that goes, you know, I'm, 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 I'm getting in line right behind him. Uh, in terms of the Citrus Bowl, uh, you know, obviously we had uh, the bad play on the first play of the game. Uh, and, uh, and then in late in the second quarter, we have a key sack. And they call roughing the passer. That, that was a killer. Because, uh, you know, we, we, we had done a good job after that first series of really stemming the tide. And uh, I thought we played pretty darn well in, in that game now. I mean, there's, you know, I, I love it, you know, you know hey, you got to double this guy, you got to double that guy, you got to double this. You can't double them all. And I also think this, we've got good players, okay? We've got good players too, okay? And I thought we played toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. What was it, 21-16? I don't know. In the fourth quarter? Uh so I feel very strongly about uh, at times we played really, really well in that football game. Uh, and, and our guys were, were certainly up to the challenge and uh, we fell short. Uh, I take the positives from it 
And, uh, and then obviously we go into the off season, but in, in, in kind of completion of your comment, your, your question, Ashley, is we took all the pieces of that game that are negative, and I promise you we're going to practice those plays against the sorted looks. Uh, and we took the same thing from the Ohio State game, and, uh, you know, we'll be practicing against those plays too because in, in that scenario, again, it's a, you know, you, it's, and it's, it's college football when you're not successful. It's eight or nine plays or there's a group of plays that you just want back. And, uh, you know, but that's certainly those scenarios. Now, in looking at us defensively last year, okay, um, first off, we played, I thought about, you know, I thought we played pretty well against the Middle Tennessee team that was a 10 personnel, meaning four wide receivers, uh, you know, um, across the board for the most part. They bring in the tight ends and all that, but, you know, they were a 10 personnel starting point team. Then we played Army, and uh, I thought we played about as well as we could play in that, in that football game and won it with a strip sack. Uh, then we played Wisconsin, and uh, uh, we had um, four to five bad run fits, uh, two bad plays in the pass game, and, uh, you know, we're out of the football game. Uh, then we play Iowa, okay? Guess what? Iowa's pretty good. And we had eight sacks, 14 TFLs, and they had one yard rushing, and they run the ball like like Wisconsin does. So as poorly as the outcome was at Wisconsin, the work that our guys put in going into the Iowa game was obviously well done and resulted in uh, you know, what I think was the turnaround for our season defensively. And then we went on a tear playing defense out, right out to the end of the year where I thought we played Pretty darn well. Uh, first half of Penn State, you know, there's two bad plays, but we holding the, you know, you 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 go in at halftime, you make your adjustments, and you hold them to 72 yards in the second half, and that's a good football team. Uh, we beat Notre Dame during the stretch. We beat Michigan State during the stretch. We beat Indiana, who was in the top 25, you know, pretty pretty handily, and uh, once again. Uh, the Ohio State game was a was a huge negative for us. So uh, I'm not going to live in that world. So uh, and I don't want the players to live in that world. We acknowledge it, we move on from it, and hopefully I I, I do a better job because I don't blame players for anything. Okay, you blame the old guy right here. Okay, and uh, I got to do a better job getting our guys ready. And I promise you, I'm going to. I, I, didn't, I didn't mean to get like heavy there. I was just. Uh, next question is from Isaiah. Don, uh, Vincent Gray is a guy that you've always raved about as a staff. Uh, it always seems to be some kind of a disconnect between the fan perception of him and the coach perception. Can you elucidate us a little bit more on what you see from Vincent Gray and why you guys are, are so high on him as a corner? Uh, 
He played all year last year, uh, was in the rotation the entire year. Um, uh, when Levert got hurt in the, uh, and did not, uh, I think it was Illinois, right? Yes. Yeah, Illinois. Uh, you know, he played the whole game. Um, and obviously, this is a guy that's six foot two, six foot three. And I'm just hoping we can hold on to him for his entire career in terms of not coming out early. Not that I'd begrudge that, because I wouldn't at all. But I think he's an outstanding player with tremendous range. Um, I thought he did a very difficult thing at the end of the year. When we started to get nicked up with the injuries, he had to make, uh, he played corner, but he had to transition to safety and play, uh, you know, do a number of safety jobs that he had to take on as well. And that's not an easy task now. He's a young guy. Uh, but he did it and did it, uh, I thought, really well. And, uh, you know, I just see a guy whose confidence is there. Uh, thought he really played uh, extremely well. I can think of the one corner route uh, versus Alabama when he knocks the ball down, which is a big-time play, and I think it was against Ruggs. Uh, and I just think he, you know, sky's the limit for this guy. I really do. He's an outstanding player, an outstanding young man. And, uh, you know, I just see nothing but good things for him uh, moving forward. I mean, him and Ambry, uh, DJ Turner, and we've got, you know, you know, I don't want to say talk about anybody other than, you know, moving forward there because those guys all, I don't want any expectations, pressure, those kind of things placed on them. We're just going to figure out, uh, you know, who are the who are the who's the fourth guy and who's the nickel and all that. Next question is from John Neo. Hey Don, I, thanks for doing this. I just kind of curious, anything about these last couple months you think that's going to make you a better coach? I know that's kind of a wide-ranging question, but uh, learned or or changed or thought about. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, you know, uh, we went through a whole process of, um, you know, what you do well, what you don't do well. Um, uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that we've evaluated in terms of coverage that we can uh, tweak uh, and we'll, we will do so. Uh, but at the same time, um, you got to look at what you do well now. Uh, there's a, I don't know, one of those organizations puts it out. And uh, we're like, if you take the last four years, you know, uh, and, and, and you evaluate the analytics of it, you know, there's a lot of, lot of things to feel good about. Um, you're always going to have the individual game uh, that you don't feel good about. And... Uh, you know, obviously, Wisconsin last year, Ohio State last year, you know, those are two right off the, right off the bat. Um, and then it comes down to a handful of plays that get you, you know, into the elite level or the very good level or good level. Um, I, I really thought our guys, you know, I think there's a lot of good things here moving forward. Uh, I think coach has a lot of things in place 
um, you know, that, that allow our players to become leaders. I think we're working hard on, on, on the development of the mental piece. And uh, I'm just excited to get back with the players. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be around them virtually. I mean, there's so many things that you have to get better at and had to change your methodology of how you went about coaching. But, you know, you still got to give quizzes. You still got to, you know, uh, test your players. You're, you're still going to watch the tape and all those things we've been doing. And uh, they've been challenging for all of us, but uh, we've worked our way through it and, you know, uh, feel very good about, you know, where we're at. You know, I, the one thing that, again, I'll go back to is for the bulk of our players, there's a, a good amount of consistency in terms of knowing what to do. Uh, I would be more concerned if I was a, now the defensive coordinator at John Smith University and it was my first year on the job and I've had to go through this because I think that would be, that's going to be a challenging scenario for guys across the country that are new on offense and new on defense or even special teams for that. Our next question is from Aria Gerson. Don, there's two new defensive position coaches this year. How have they been integrating into the staff when you can't all be on campus and have meetings together? Well, we've been meeting every virtually every day uh, through Zoom and and uh, watching tape every day. Uh, so you know, uh, Bobby Shoup uh, worked for me previously, played for me. Uh, uh, you know, during, uh, you know, two, 2006, he played for me when I was back at Yale. He was a wide receiver on that team, and then we worked together there. So uh, he's a guy I'm very comfortable with, a guy that has a, a understands uh, the basics of our defense and is an outstanding secondary coach as well as co former coordinator. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was going to be a great fit for us and it has been. Um, BJ, uh, you know, I think that's been a, a, a good hire for me. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll work with the Sams and the Vipers and I'll do the Mikes and the Wills. And uh, we're tied at the hip in the run game. You know, he's got great personality, you know, uh, and is a, a coordinator in his own right. So just another guy that brings the voice in the room and uh, you know, Obviously, I got Mike Zordich and um, my man Nua. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all ready to go. I mean, I, I, I really, I'm very comfortable with our staff moving forward. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've also hired some good, good people, an analyst-wise, you know, Keith Budzinski, who's, who has previously been with me for 12 years. So, uh, in particular, uh, Lark's working with us on defense as well. So, you know, we've, we've got a good uh, group of, of coaches and analysts. And, um, you know, we're just anxious, chomping to get back into the building and uh, get back to some form of normalcy. Because I, I love my seat in that room when I got the two screens. And, and uh, you know, I just feel like I'm in my uh, element there sitting in my spare bedroom on Cape Cod, just some, sometimes just doesn't cut it. 
got joking. time for I'm joking. <laughs> we got two more questions in the queue. Um, next one's Rainer. Um, uh, Don, Don, you said um, you, you told us that uh, generally most people have a pretty good foundation of the defense, but how would you assess how um, newcomers are processing the information and is it realistic given the lack of reps that they have for them to be able to play significantly uh, this season? You know, th th there's no way you can assess it until you go out and start doing it, you know, and that'll determine, you know, that's that, that right there, that, that element is really the whole thing about coaching is trying to make the right decisions um, on guys that um, can take the material, digest it, and then translate it to the practice field first and the game field second. That, Todd, you can't predict it. You can't predict, I can, I can t give you my expectations and my thoughts and I think Kalel Mullings is this, and I think Cornell Wheeler is that, and Makari Page is this. But until you actually put the guys through the paces, you're really not going to know. But I can assure you that that piece right there is assigned by one of our coaches on certain guys where that's his world. He's following those guys, those handful of guys that we've earmarked that possibly could help us and make sure they're getting the information and also uh, constantly giving uh, feedback to the coaches are we doing the right thing with the you know with certain players good question our last question which I'm sure will be two parts or multiple or more is coming from Angelique oh gee. <laughs> At least two, uh, Don. First of all, I was just curious. Virtual hug. <laughs> Virtual hug. That's safe. Um, in that spare bedroom, how much film do you think you've watched? And oh. second part, Harbaugh <laughs> yesterday said he'd rather play play football with no fans versus not playing football at all. And I imagine in your years of coaching, you've coached in empty stadiums or virtually empty stadiums. And what is that like? And how hard is it to motivate players when they're in that setting? It's tough, you know, I mean, that, it's, a, it's a different environment, but, you know, it's all about the preparation and, uh, you know, whatever coach says, I'm, I'm with, I'm, I'm following his lead. So, uh, you know, uh, I've been a high school coach for five years, looked up in the bleachers, there's 600 people there, 500 people. Um, the one good thing is, you know, people get excited about it uh, that are there but uh, will there be anybody there? Uh, you know, let's, let's hope, you know, the, the key will be the preparation. Um, and I think this, uh, the Michigan guys, the Michigan football guys that I know, love football. They love it. They love playing it. They love everything associated with it. Uh, not perfect, did not say they were perfect, but as far as the discipline, as far as the preparation, as, prior, as far as trying to do the best things possible, you're going to get a, uh, an honest day's work out of those guys every day. 
and I anticipate, um, just like Coach said, uh, hey, I'd rather play in front of nobody than not play, because that could knock me into retirement. Maybe some of you want that to happen. I don't. <laughs> well, we thank you, Coach, for uh, participating and giving up uh, almost an hour of your time here today. Um, My so pleasure. have a good uh, Memorial Everybody Day weekend. Everybody have a great Memorial Day weekend, okay? Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.